tuning in to the PHNX Coyotes podcast. Don't forget to hit that like button, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star review. I'm Leah here with Craig, as always. We gave Petey another day off. He's just... I don't think we had a choice, actually. Yeah, he's just taking them left and right. Um, But we're really excited today to welcome Coyotes president and CEO Javier Gutierrez back to our studio because the ballots for Propositions 301... 302 and 303 went out today. Yes, they did. Um, and the vote is just 27 days away. Um, so, in an effort to educate the coyotes, the public on the coyote side of the debate, we were welcoming Javier to the studio. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you guys for having me. So, I only have one request. Can we update my picture to at least a smile? <laughs> right? but, uh, I looked at that. Have your people talk to our people. There you go. <laughs> Take care of that. Got I have one request, them. actually. Can we get a shoe check, by the yes, way? Because we, we talked a, about your shoes. We need our shoes. What are these, by the way? These are the Jordans ones with the plat- patent leather. Love it. Nice. You yep. talked about these, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I yeah. told you I would bring them in for mm-hmm. you guys. Yeah, so, I love them. Yeah, they're nice. Great shoe and sock combo, as uh, always. I know I need yeah. to step up my shoe. Yeah, I have no game on that. Belt, so I'm keep my <laughs> At least on the he table. didn't wear blue socks with black shoes again. <laughs> Don't worry. He does it a lot. It's <laughs> not a good move there, the Craig. Come, come on. Make that mistake often. All right. Well, thanks to all of our diehards. We opened questioning up to our diehards first for today. We got a ton of amazing questions. So thank you to everybody who submitted. We did amend some, combine some, but everyone will get credit um, for their questions. And if you didn't get your question in, drop them in the live chat. We'll star them and we're hoping to get to a handful toward the end of the show. So drop your questions in the chat um, as we're live here and we'll get right to it, I think. So town hall time. Uh, without, it. Yeah, it. it's, it's time for a, a TED town hall without further ado. So let's start with the very first question from the Discord. It's from Larry in Phoenix. Um, And he asked, who do you think is funding the opposition? Well, it's interesting because the uh, the financial statements came out yesterday. Mm -hmm. We do know that the pipe fitters funded two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, the pipe fitters union, uh, which is very disappointing uh, because we are the first developer to actually negotiate into the actual development agreement, which is the guiding agreement between ourselves and the city, a commitment for union labor. Now, it's not 100% and it's not for all of the uh, uses, um, but it really is a game changer. And that is why we have the carpenters, the electrical workers, the painters, the firefighters, the police union. They are all supportive of this because they understand that is a precedent for the city of Tempe reflecting those values. So we know that Uh, the pipe fitters. We also know something, and I don't know how many of you saw this uh, debate last night, uh, but the introduction from the critics that were up there were that they were not paid lobbyists. Well, lo and behold, Mm -hmm. Dom Pennick Thatcher actually is paid by the campaign. Um, So we think that is one of many um, just disingenuous statements that were made last night. Okay. You know, we could alternate these if you want. Yeah. If you want me to have yeah. a little, Why don't you or I could just sit here and smile. Just make sure you go in order, Craig. That's okay. all I ask. All right. But go for it. I will ask a tamer version of Michael Knight's question, which, <laughs> yeah, we, we, sorry, Michael, we needed to amend this a little bit. I'll just ask, how do you feel the debate went last night? We think it went incredibly well. And the reason is because we were able to be informative and we were able to tell the truth. The reality is that this is a right project, the right deal, and we're the right team to execute on it. Why? Because despite what anybody might say, that is a landfill. It is called the Priest Drive Landfill in city documents. 
It has been the dump. And yes, it has things on top of it, but there's toxins. It's online. It's going down. And I did want to correct something. It is online, and we know it is because we have gone and done 40 borings. We've mm. done reports already. Right. We've already dug down because okay, we had to by get the a city, sense. right? Yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's yeah, actually yeah. considered a brownfield by the city. Mm. The city has been trying to sell this for years. And I also want to emphasize something. There is a 1996 option, been around since 1996, to develop it. And it hasn't been exercised. Why? Because the land costs are well below what the cost of the remediation are going to be. And so uh, we think that we were able to get out that it's a landfill, that taxpayers aren't paying for this. And there was a lot of noise around this tax break, the tax break, the tax break. Let's be very clear. On one hand, you have $808 million of new financial benefits to the city of Tempe. And that tax break is $115 million. That's a net of almost $700 million to the city. And I also want to correct this. There is no money coming into our pocket. That kept constantly being thrown out that somehow we are having money come into our pocket. Even all the on-site sales tax is sales tax we pay out. We pay over $400 million of on-site sales tax and hotel bed tax and, and or TPT tax, right? Mm -hmm. That is being paid out. The city is contributing to a capped amount, $240 million, for their obligation, and they're not guaranteeing it. We are with our land, with our real estate. And so we think we were able to get a lot of that out. But unfortunately, you heard a lot of misrepresentations, a lot of confusion, and a lot of noise, including the idea that somehow there's a magical project that exists out there that'll be better because one has not come up for over 30 years. That land has been there for 70 years. And the only way that they are saying the city should move forward is by having the city have taxpayers pay for it. $400 million in bonds backed by taxpayers would be just to clean up the land. That is what they're advocating. And this report that they have keep citing that's independent, well, let me tell you, it's not independent when you speak to the opposing side and not to the developer, which is exactly what happened. The, G, the Grand Canyon Institute, which again, never heard we heard of that, mm -hmm. talked to former council member Lauren Kuby, who is one of the most vocal critics, and they got information from her and she admitted it. She said, yeah, they spoke to me. They never spoke to us. They also refused to include $1.8 billion of investment. So anything other than the arena and the music theater, they didn't include. They said somehow that doesn't generate any revenue. Yeah. And I think it's also instructive to take a look at who's on the board for the Grand Canyon Institute. And I would suggest people explore that a little further. You mean the former mayor of Phoenix? Yes, exactly. Paul Johnson is one of those people. Um, that's instructive. But I want to stick with this for a moment because we keep hearing about, well, that there could be a better development and they want a new RFP process. Um, I want to I want to reemphasize that. Is there anything out there that you've heard of? You've obviously had conversations with Tempe, um, and they again they want a new RFP process that doesn't include an arena because they believe that something else could come along if that were the case. That's just complete just falsehoods, because the reality is that piece of property has been there since the late '60s. Yeah. Number one. Number two. There has been an option 
that a developer has held since 1996 and hasn't moved forward with it. And let's talk about this process they said was not transparent. This is arguably the most transparent process that they've ever had in the city of Tempe, capped by the fact that we're going to the voters. We, the developer, are taking our project to the voters to be voted on. And the idea that there weren't any community meetings, I think you attended several dozen of them. There were almost 40 community meetings from the moment the RFP was awarded to the moment that the decision in November was made. And that th- those are facts. The, the city can confirm that. Yep. So the fact that they uh, perhaps didn't get what they wanted, I, I can't help that. But I do know this. The city staff recommended this. The city council approved it seven to zero. The previous four mayors, you have 100 years of mayors and councils that are all supporting this. All but three of the former living council members are all supporting this. And the reality is, even if you don't want to trust us, trust the the leadership of Tempe. This is what they want. They've said this is the right deal. They said there is nothing else. And in fact, their own third party, right? Infamous third party reports. The city, the one the city paid for, the one the city wanted to have done, said it was the site's highest and best use. All right. Well, next question. And this one came from a version of this came from three different uh, diehards that we kind of combined into one. But it's a community focused question. So the question comes from um, Roman Pring, Nist and Enfraley 11 in our discord. What steps are the Coyotes taking to foster a strong relationship with the local community, including engaging with and supporting fans, promoting and growing the sport in the southwest, particularly among youth and underrepresented communities and building more ranks across the state. Well, I think you guys uh, know that this is what's near and dear to my heart. Um, I didn't come from hockey. I still don't know how to skate, despite <laughs> Shane Doan making me want to get on the ice over and over again. Is there a video of that? Um, yeah. <laughs> it's about impact. Yeah. The reason I'm here and changing careers into hockey, into sports, is because of this incredible power that sports has to make a difference. And everything that we have done has been around that issue of impact. So when we talk about things of fostering the local community, that's exactly what we have been focused on. We just did actually an analysis. You know, this past year, just this past season, we actually gave away over $1.1 million in grants, donations, and that is just the beginning. I know Alex has, Alex Morello has a deep intention of actually being a bigger leader financially, beginning with that, but also just everything that we do. What are we doing to foster? We have one of the most active youth hockey programs in the country. In fact, the NHL league office came here and basically said, there's not much more you can do. Let's do different things. Let's think about new things. So one of the things we actually pitched them was about doing more in terms of content creation of non-hockey fans through ASU's journalism school, right? So the prism of new non-fans following hockey in their backyard as an idea. But they know that we are incredibly active. Our Kachinas program actually was, as you guys know, in the in the national finals. Unfortunately, it fell a little bit short. But our fostering and our support of youth hockey is unparalleled. Uh, we're going to be launching an even more exhaustive street hockey program 
um, that right now is in a handful of schools and a handful of locations. We would like to be in 100 schools, 100 locations over the next three years. And we'd like to actually host a valley-wide street hockey tournament that hopefully will come together next year. We tried to do it beginning last year. We had some things coming up. But uh, in terms of non uh, fans, it's all about our engagement being present in the lives of young, diverse, female, tech-savvy, and purpose-driven fans. So this is what we stand for. We want to leverage this incredible power of sports to make a difference. And we've put our money where our mouth is. We've put our actions uh, to work uh, as opposed to just our words. Sticking with that for just a second with the idea of building more rinks. I, I did a story uh, based on USA's uh, hockey statistics a couple of years ago showing that Arizona has the greatest per capita of players per ice sheet in the nation. Yes. It's growing. It's clearly growing and, and the need hasn't kept up. I know you have to you have to focus on a lot of other priorities like getting getting this fi- this franchise's financial house in order when you took over. Um, but what's your long term goal on that? We already have the Mesa rink that's now the home of the Kachina. Sure. So that's that's one example. What's your long term goal on that front? Well, let's talk about the fact that um, our community, our practice facility is going to be a community ice rink. So you're going to add two more sheets there because it is going to be two sheets. That's Mm. our goal to do that. Then you'll obviously have a third with the arena. So immediately you're going to be bringing three more sheets of ice to uh, Arizona, to the East Valley, to Tempe there. Um, So that's that. But we think that as far as expanding hockey, it really does start with street hockey. We really want to go there. We want to put a stick and a ball, right, uh, in front of young people, make hockey be part of their athletic journey immediately. And then what I call, you know, the the sort of the, the, the continuum of hockey. Then we have to move up to street hockey. There's not enough deck rinks. And we actually bought, as you guys know, inflatable rinks for both street hockey yeah. and for deck hockey. So that's the next step of us doing more of that. And then, obviously, we have to look at how we can be part of building more rinks. We have a little project that I think we have to build first that will include three Mm -hmm. sheets. But after that, I think we have to evaluate what else we can do to expand ice sheets across the valley. But that's the continuum. We are going to go heavy into street hockey, then into roller hockey, and then ultimately into into ice hockey. Okay. This one is a combination from Yeovil, I think. I'm I'm going to go with the Mike Yeo pronunciation, (laughs) combine it with evil. And Jay Pearl AZ, what plans are there to promote alternative transportation modes and services around the arena, such as maybe a a closer light rail station or even, as somebody suggested, a bicycle valet station (laughs) for all the people that want to just bicycle? Yeah, I I mean, we love that idea. And one of the things that we have talked to the city about and put into this deal is we don't know what mobility is going to look like 10 years from now. Who would have told you 10 years ago that you'd see a bunch of people on city streets, on highways, which they shouldn't do, on, you know, Lime and Bird scooters, <laughs> right? You don't know what the next iteration technology. So what are we doing immediately? We actually have an exhaustive plan to encourage public transportation as part of the Tempe Entertainment District. It starts with the fact that you're within five miles of five freeways, right? So getting people in and out, and there's going to be multiple ingress and egress. But also we're making investments into the Orbit Shuttle, which is a city-run program. Uh, and our goal is to actually do electric vehicle shuttles to shuttle people to the uh, Washington Street um, light rail, which is less than a half a mile away, and to the streetcar uh, in Tempe, which is another mile the other way. Okay. So those are two. 
The, the third is your arena ticket of day of game, right, is going to also be your, your light rail pass and your streetcar pass for the entire day. Unlimited riding to public use, I mean, public transportation, the day that there is an event of 10,000 people or more. So it could be a concert. It doesn't have to just be a hockey game. It could be a concert. It could be a convention. It could be a conference. And uh, we know there's going to be multiple uses in that arena. It's not just a hockey arena. It's a live events venue that's going to be used quite a bit. So those are the types of efforts that we're doing. So, you know, uh, orbits, your day of game, more mitigation in terms of traffic, obviously be within uh, being within five miles of five freeways. And we have given the city an easement on Rio Salado okay. so to potentially see that streetcar come towards our uh, Tempe Entertainment District. Five miles of five freeways, by the way. And I've heard this but from so many people. Well, it's not a great location. As someone who has been to literally every NHL arena, mm -hmm. in terms of access, this is one of the best you'll find. Mm -hmm. Sorry, there's no argument there. Go ahead, Leah. All right. Our next question comes from Mike Lang, and he asks, if Proposition 301, 302, and 303 are approved by Tempe voters, how soon will work begin on the site? We hope to begin work immediately in the summertime. So we think that within 30 to 45 days, we'll have a shovel in the ground to begin the remediation. Remediation is going to take about nine months. So we think that and remediation to be great as well for the foundation work. So it's not sure. just remediation. Building the bathtub, as you said. Exactly. you got to build a bathtub yeah. for not only the arena, but actually for the practice facility as well, because they're going to be connected underground. Um, and so we think that within 30 to 45 days, We'll put a shovel on the ground. And as I've said a hundred times, the moment we put a shovel on the ground, the city of Tempe is going to get $40 million non-refundable deposit wired from Alex Morello as one of the many backstops and safety measures that the city council negotiated that made this, in, Corey, in Mayor Corey Woods' uh, own words, the best sports deal in the history of Arizona. All right. Love it. Um, we're going to take a quick moment. We have obviously a ton more questions to get to. I do, li I do to. like that question, by the way. Yeah, we're, Tyler, we're starring. Yeah. yeah, we'll get to all of those um, at the end, unless you wanted to address it right now. But we can save all of them. Whatever you want. Um, so everybody, if you're watching us live, put your questions in the chat. We're starring them as they come through, and we will get to them um, before we let Some of them. Maybe not but, yeah, all of them. We'll, yes. But the one from Tyler, we'll put a, a big star on because... He saw it himself. Um, but before we move on, Craig, we've seen a great first round of the NHL playoffs oh, yeah. so far. Crazy games. Um, yeah. I think maybe beyond expectations. I know nothing about the NHL, uh, obviously, Apparently. given all my Apparently. Um, so, yeah. yeah, and they probably would have been even crazier if you had some money on them. Um, we've been using BetMGM for betting on these games. It's been a ton of fun, and we saw all the underdogs win in the West, so you could have won yourself some coin oh, yeah. on BetMGM. So if you haven't signed up yet, use the bonus code PHNX, and there's a few different offers depending on where you live, but for our Arizona audience, you'll get up to $100 in bonus bets on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the app, sign up with the bonus code PHNX, place a pregame money line wager in the amount of at least $10 on any market at standard odds price. You receive $10 in bonus bets instantly, regardless of the outcome of your wager. Just make sure you use bonus code PHNX when you sign up. Plus, join us tomorrow at the BetMGM Sportsbook at State Farm Stadium because we will be out there for all Suns away playoff games. The PHNX Suns watch parties presented by Neutral will feature food and drink specials, PHNX giveaways, and BetMGM deposit matches. Join us by grabbing your free ticket in the show notes. First one tomorrow. Then we'll also be out there Saturday. So come join us. It's going to be a blast. You can check out the show notes for full 
offer details. And now my favorite part of this, uh, <laughs> listen to Shane talk about the, speed read. <laughs> the disclaimer. Disclaimer, 21 plus to wager. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in Washington, D.C., Mississippi, Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369, New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP-ARIZONA, 1-800-522-4700, Kansas, Nevada, 1-800-327-5050, Massachusetts, 1-800-BETS-OFF-IOWA, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help, Michigan. All right. Thank you, Shane, as always. Um, and if you're watching us live on YouTube, you see a lot of great stuff um, on our set behind us. And that's thanks to FOCO. They sent us a ton of great new stuff for our sets. Um, also in our commission studio as well. Um, they always they just have the best Arizona sports products. So you can check them out. Um, get the best gear around by using the link in our description at FOCO. They have bobbleheads clothing. It's just great stuff. Check out their website. And for all non-presale items, use the promo code PHNX for 10% off. All right, Greg. Back to the questions. And this one is from Major Nelson. In the animated interior depicted for the new arena at the TED, it appears that there is only one level of main seating, in essence, an expanded version of Mullet Arena. Is this animated representation true to what is envisioned? Uh, components are, but no, it's not fully designed out. Okay. And when I mean components, I hope you also saw the ceiling. Yeah, the because that's probably so cool. the yeah. most uh, innovative thing that we are uh, hoping to put together. Don't you describe is, it? What is that? Well, on the ceiling will be the first uh, LED display. So technology has improved so much that you still need to have spacing for when you put wiring uh, for in particular concerts. Yeah. Um, but now the technology is so good that the spacing can be incredibly close together. So one thing that Alex Morello wanted, he wanted something that hadn't been seen in any arena before. So you have seen the Oculus, right? So the scoreboard mm-hmm. that surrounds uh, sure. the ceiling. But this is something that has never been done before. Uh, we have priced it out. It is, in essence, going to allow to almost have an immersive experience where you can actually show replays on the ceiling. <laughs> when you have concerts, it'll change the vision. Um, so, so that's something that that certainly is is a, a component. Uh, but the 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 number of seats, the number of suites, uh, the premium product, all that is still yet to be determined. Okay. So, I wouldn't take any of the the rest there. Uh, to heart, and including the fact that more than likely we're going to have to expand the footprint and add, uh, given the fact that we do have interests uh, from other sporting uh, events and sporting teams to be a part of that, that we're going to have to accommodate. And I'll probably leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> um, on the same subject of inside, and obviously you just had a lot up to be determined, but this one comes from Unkillable Coyote, um, and he wants to know, will the TED be Southwestern themed inside and out? You might not know the answer to this. Um <laughs> Well, I'm not quite sure exactly what Southwestern theme <laughs> is. Uh, we think that the renderings that were there were probably very, very close to what we want to see it as. Um, the only thing that I would probably say we're going to do a lot more of is shading. Uh, the goal is mm-hmm. to have this 46-acre district where you can walk from one end to the other end and keep it under 90 degrees. Yeah. And so there's a lot of technology around that, but a lot of it has to do, you can't create a biosphere and cover the whole thing. <laughs> right. Uh, too expensive. We looked at it about two and a half billion dollars to do that. Um, <laughs> but uh, it, we actually have renderings wow. of what that looks like. Um, but, but the reality That's is insane. that, um, that we're just going to need a lot more shading to allow in particular that Paseo of shops 
and of restaurants that really connects the whole thing from one end to the other. I don't know if you're at liberty to share this, but there was an original design, but it wasn't what Alex wanted. Yeah. Can you share that story? Sure. Well, you yeah. know, we this I, I cannot stress enough how committed Alex Morello is to this. And and I'll share two components of what he constantly says. This is actually the first time he's built something from scratch. Every other acquisition has been a renovation, a redevelopment, a repositioning, taking something that was broken and fixing it including obviously the, the franchise. Yeah. But this project is something to build from scratch, number one. Number two, this is, and he said this, this is his legacy for him and his family, and he's going to spare no expense. And so when we had uh, sort of this RFP of multiple architects, there were original designs that we just sat there and Alice would look at us and say, it's not a wow. It's not a, I've never seen this before in Arizona. As he asked, he said, what I would love is when you're on TV and you hear Arizona, they show the cactus and they show the mountains. He says, I would like for them to show this as the next thing. Hmm. That, that piece, that landmark, that is just such a wow. And uh, we think we showed it. We think that the renderings are something that has never been seen before that are just truly spectacular. That again, are going to be something enjoyed by everyone in the Valley not just hockey fans, not just folks in Tempe, um, but everybody. And so we're excited to do it. And uh, again, Alex is committed to putting putting up the money to make it happen. Okay. This one is from Serenade. A long question, but it's a good question. <clears throat> My only concern in this whole deal is the additional development beyond the arena. In other places where arena stadium or stadiums were built, planned development around the arena hasn't happened as planned for a variety of reasons. Westgate's an example of that. Mm -hmm. What guarantees can you offer Tempe residents that this development isn't going to end up as just an arena and a bunch of parking lots? Well, I think the biggest reason is we're paying for it. And we're paying for an arena that at the end of the day is probably going to cost $850 million to a billion dollars. And in order to make that financially viable, we need those other uses. We need there to be foot traffic. We need there to be tourists. And we need there to be economic activity. And so it, it, it just it doesn't make any financial sense for us to just build an arena. The, I would I would go further to this question. We keep getting asked, well, why don't you just sell the rest of it after you build the arena? Well, how are we going to recoup the financial commitment we're making right. on the arena, on the practice facility, on the theater? These are very expensive assets that we are going to be building with our money, with our private dollars. And so the whole district is what's needed. And we've said that a number of times. We need the uses to all create the economic activity to underpin the investments we're making in the sports and entertainment uh, assets. And so, no, you won't see just a bunch of parking lots because they won't generate the type of investment in order to make the, the initial financial commitments uh, pencil out. And so for us, we're fully in. We see this as an incredible district that's going to be very vibrant. Conservatively, we see 3 million visitors a year. Conservatively, we think that it's going to be closer to 5 to 7 million. It's going to be an international destination, as you know. Uh, it's location right near the airport. It makes it incredibly attractive for international uh, travelers. And it's going to be constantly programmed. Again, it is more than just a hockey arena. I know we're here talking uh, to the diehard uh, hockey fans and we're excited to to do something that's incredible for you all. 
but it is more than that. We're going to see concerts. We're going to see conventions, conferences, other sporting events. Um, that that music venue is something that uh, live events promoters have already been clawing after uh, partnering with us to really program, and they think that thing can be programmed 150 nights a year. Comedy shows, uh, smaller, you know, musical acts. We have been thinking Tempe has a great local music scene. Mm -hmm. Historically, that could be a place where we have and host local artists and really help be a catalyst uh, to continue to support that community. And so we're excited about it. And we know that the whole district needs to be completed. All right. Uh, this next one comes from What's Up. Um, <laughs> we're just trying our best with the names here. This is a great question, though. With Climate Pledge Arena doing so much to minimize its footprint, what green or other projects will the TED have to help offset its footprint? Well, I start again by reminding everybody that we own it. And so for us, sustainability is not just the right thing to do. It's the right business decision because we know that we live in an extreme climate um, you know, community and we know that going forward, we're going to have to manage the climate and we're going to have to have sustainability be at a core. In fact, in talking with the two leading candidates who are going to come in and do the remediation and the waste management and the recycling and the materials and emissions management, as they call it, what we've talked to them about is sustainability has an address. And it's the Tempe Entertainment District. Because it's going to be top of mind, I mean, best in class, when you think about the, the not only the technologies that exist today, the, re, the renewable energies, the recycling and materials management, there's an opportunity to not just do it, but to do it from the beginning, hmm. from, from starting by remediating and removing an unlined landfill and continuing it throughout the entire district, creating the, 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 the pathways for materials and for waste and for, you know, the, uh, the management of all that right now as we're programming it and we're coming out of the ground. And so it is going to be core to everything that we're going to do. So I can't sit here and tell you all the specifics because truth be told, that's not what I know and yeah. it's not what uh, we've determined, but it is going to be very important because of where we live and because of the fact that we own it and we need to be have this be efficient and have the costs be something that are manageable, not just today, not just tomorrow, but going into the future. In keeping with ASU's philosophy, by the way, as well, the, everything that they're building. Um, this one is from George Fowler. Grand Canyon Institute analysis states for every $2.70 diverted from the city to pay off the project's bond, the city will only receive $1. Will the project's bond pay for the entire cost of the dump site remediation and infrastructure, or will Bluebird actually be picking up part of the tab for site remediation rather than paying upfront costs and then being reimbursed via bond funding? Okay, so so you said a couple of things there. Yeah, there's I a lot there. I, I want to back <laughs> out. First of all, this GCI Institute report has so many misleading statements and falsehoods, starting with that one, which is this $2 to $1. Again, that only includes the arena, and the music venue. It doesn't include 2,000 apartment or multifamily units. It doesn't include 350,000 square feet of shops and restaurants. It doesn't include almost 400,000 square feet of office space. It, it does not include, in essence, $1.8 billion, $1.8 billion of the $2.1 billion that we believe we're going to invest in here, right? That is just simply not true then. 
right? It, it is not true. So that's the first thing. So now you're asking about the bond. So let's understand what's going to happen here, right? We are going to buy the land for $50 million. We're going to wire $40 million non-refundable. Then we're going to begin remediation and infrastructure. There, there will be private bonds issued, and we call them private because while they're tax exempt, issued by a community facilities district, they're only guaranteed by our land that we bought and the real estate we're going to uh, build. Yeah. How are they going to be? What are they used for? Remediation, public infrastructure, nothing into our pocket. How do they get repaid? There's economic activity that happens. It generates taxes. We will pay all those taxes to the city, right? And then a portion of those taxes are going to go back to repay those bonds. But in addition, we are guaranteeing a voluntary surcharge that we're going to impose our own, own customers to then also pay. So in essence, we are paying half of the costs that are the city's liability. And in addition, we're guaranteeing the economic activity that's creating the taxes that the city is going to be paying. There is no reimbursement to us, and then we pay bonds. We pay all the taxes that are generated on site. The city then commits a portion of that. And in addition, we commit $240 million out of a voluntary surcharge. So nothing ever goes into our pocket. There's no reimbursements. If anything, we are taking on the city's liability. We are guaranteeing it through not only guaranteeing the portions that they're going to pay, but also the portion that we're going to contribute with our voluntary surcharge. And this bond is solely guaranteed only by our land and our real estate, which is why it doesn't go onto the city's uh, bonding capacity or uh, balance sheet. It will affect their, their bonding uh, rating whatsoever. This is not a bond that the city is issuing. Does that make, I know it's. Yeah, no, that's fine. We needed, a, we needed a thorough explanation, yeah. explanation. So thank you. All right. Well, this ne next question is a little more lighthearted um, from Ogie Oglethorpe. Um, as president of the Coyotes, can you personally approve the building of a statue of Shane Doan shaking Gary Bettman's hand in front of the main entrance to the TED? Well, I know that Alex Morello has talked publicly about two statues. One is of Senator John McCain mm -hmm. wow. and the other is of Shane Doan. He's talked about that. I don't know, and I'm not going to speak for him. And at some point, you'll yeah, probably have I don't think Gary would approve a statue of himself. Yeah, <laughs> so I, I, that's exactly where I was going to go next, which is, I don't know about Gary saying, yes, put me up there. So. Oh, man, right. that's awesome. Let's move on to a question from Vigoda, who actually uses the Abe Vigoda mug on his set, uh, which yeah. I love. That is funny. During more than a few Coyotes home games this past season, um, the student section at Mullet Arena was frequently filled with non-college age fans of the opposing team. Will the Coyotes do anything to restrict this section to students in the 2023-24 season, perhaps by requiring ticket holders to show a valid student ID at the entry? Sure. Date? No, it's a very good question, and I'll, I'll couch it in the course of we've learned a lot yeah. about how to operate in Mullet Arena, which we know will be there for at least another uh, three years. Yeah. Um, and so that is one of them, is how do we ensure that it really does stay with students now part of that is the you know the the validation you know system when you come in and out when you also um buy tickets online there is some limitation to we can ask you for an asu id but then what happens with it in terms of you forwarding that along 
There are some technology, technological limitations, but those are the things that we're trying to do. We said this from the beginning that we wanted to use this opportunity to really expose um, the game of hockey and the Arizona Coyotes to this entire student uh, community. And I think it, I think we did actually a very good job, but certainly we saw some very entrepreneurial students um, <laughs> doing quite well in the uh, ticket brokerage uh, industry. Uh, so we are definitely going to have uh, have to re-examine that amongst a lot of things. I mean, we think that it was an incredible fan experience uh, this year. Um, it was exactly what we thought in terms of being loud, being energetic, having uh, just that 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 buzz that you want. And our home record actually showed it. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yes, the reality is, and you can go look <laughs> at this, we have a better home record than half of the playoff teams. <laughs> That's crazy. Go ahead. All right, next question. This one comes from Goobs. Um, other than the obvious work being done with campaigning in the arena, which I assume takes up the bulk of your time, what is day-to-day -day life like in your role with the Coyotes? Uh, hectic. <laughs> That's probably the only word because, uh, yes, this, this is the most important thing for the entire organization. And I've certainly taken the lead and, and the point. And I, I go back to my opening, you know, uh, press conference over Zoom, if you remember that. Uh, you know, um, Alex Morello said that the arena solution wasn't, you know, issue number one, issue number two, issue number three. It was all the above, yeah. right? Um, this is the most important thing that, that we as an organization need to solve. And we've known that that was the key to the turnaround. So it's been very much on my plate. But... Other things, obviously, understanding how the season went, what we need to do better in terms of marketing, in terms of ticket packaging. You know, one of the things that we didn't know how to actually do going into the uh, the experience at Mullet was how to do. How were we going to do groups, right? How were we going to do group sales, um, given the the limitation of the size sure. and of the space? And then we we I think came up with some very interesting group packages, and I think we'll explore that a little bit more, uh, trying to find some more premium areas. Um, I did say this that we, and, and it was something that we weren't able to do in enough in time, which is uh, naming lights. So affixing lights in the interior and the exterior uh, for our corporate partners. Um, okay. Okay. And so th that was something that I think it was just too difficult from a technology standpoint of getting things up and running. But there's things called globos that you can actually um, display lights uh, uh, fixed on, on walls as temporary uh, because we do have access to the entire facility the day of game. Um, but so those are the types of things that I also think and, and work a lot with our team. To me, uh, going back to a previous question, the impact, right? When we think about us as an organization, that's very top of mind, you know, being out in the community, building relationships with civic and, uh, and nonprofit uh, organizations and leadership, really engaging ourselves as a community leader. That is also what I spend quite a bit of time on because it is the reason that I came here. And it is uh, who we are as an organization. Um, so there, there is still quite a bit uh, that I have to get involved with. But listen, I, I think we are building a great organization uh, with folks who are quite talented um, in, in every aspect, whether it's ticketing, whether it's our media partnerships, our content creation, our social and digital media, um, a lot of what we do with our merchandising, a lot of what we do uh, to really engage fans um, and, and on all platforms. Uh, I'm very proud of the work that we've done as an organization. Awesome. Well, we have four more questions from our diehards, and then I see tons of chat questions, which I promise we'll get to at least a few of those. Um, but before we get there, um, just want to tell everybody I am almost done furnishing my house. Almost. I have like two things. 
What? What are you missing? Dining room chairs and like a buffet style thing for my hallway. Um, so more furniture. Luckily, they've hooked it up in my house so far. I've been really happy with it. Um, and if you want to get some great furniture, especially with the white glove delivery, that's been the biggest thing for me. I just don't. I'm not a, a builder. I'm not good at that. Um, so I just like they they bring it to me and it's built and it's put it right where it needs to go. It's been great. So you can save big on the best furniture in the Valley when you head to morefurniture.com. That's M-O-R furniture.com. We've talked a lot in this conversation about the climate here in Arizona. And one thing you need every day of the year is sunglasses. And I think it's something that shocks people when they come here because... Some cities, like, you you don't need sunglasses a lot of days. You need them every day here. The even, sun is so much brighter. Even here. if it's cloudy. I don't know what it is. And you know I call where, it the nuclear sun. You know, it, <laughs> yeah. you know where else you need sunglasses nuclear, every day? Obviously, that's somewhat redundant. But. Australia, just saying. Uh, uh, well, <laughs> hopefully, we will need, we will have that problem. Yeah, there. hopefully. Um, but if you're looking to grab yourself some new shades, especially with summer um arriving check out shady rays they have some amazing amazing styles of sunglasses on there i was shocked scrolling their website um also at great prices so we're really excited for our partnership with shady rays because exclusively for our listeners shady rays is giving out their best deal of the season go to shadyrays.com and use code phnx for 50 percent off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people. I've been loving my uh, new pair of Shady Rays. So check them out. Okay. All right, Craig, on to the next question. Let's get back to what this one is from Luke A. And we just had Bill Armstrong in the studio yesterday. Will ownership remain committed? We've, we've, I've talked to you about this in the past. We've seen rebuilds in the past, but they abandoned them midstream. Will ownership remain committed over the next couple seasons to give GM Bill Armstrong the time, resources, and money it takes to successfully rebuild and not rush the process? Unequivocally, we will. And if Alex Morrell was sitting in this chair, he'll tell you, I want to create a sustainable winner. That was the mandate to Bill. We said not an, uh, a peak and valley, a sustainable winner. And Bill came in and he laid out a plan that said we're going to build through the draft. And we're going to turn around uh, the priorities. We're going to build one of the largest, if not the largest, scouting departments. We're going to build one of the largest, if not the largest, player development departments. That includes every aspect of player development. Um, And we're going to go out and we're going to build a team from the ground up. And you see it. I mean, you see this young team and you see a coach in Andre Turini, Turini, I always get his uh, his name, which I which I hate because uh, people mispronounce my name all the time. Um, but uh, but Bear has created this culture of winning. Um, what I loved very early on, Bill said he holds players accountable without creating scars. Yeah. Right. And I think that's perfect for what we are trying to build. So the short answer, again, we are fully committed to this. And we know we know that you've heard this before in this organization but I think we're showing it. I think that you saw this year our commitment to have young players come in, young players be developed, and have a core that will be here for winning. And the reality is we have 47 draft picks over the next four I mean, just say that out loud. <laughs> 47 draft picks over the next four years. Now, I'm sure Bill will be the first to tell you, we will more than likely not draft 47 <laughs> yeah. players, okay? Yeah, tough to but put all those guys under contract. It's yes. really hard. <laughs> it's really hard to put them all under contract. Yeah. But this is the approach 
we have a brand new state-of-the-art permanent home that we hope to drop the puck on the fall of 2026, that that is the goal that we're aiming for. Um, but I will tell you, I think that some of these young players are developing faster than we thought, right? <laughs> yeah. Matthias Michelli, I don't care what anybody says, he should have been, he should be the Holder Trophy winner. Mm -hmm. He should be. Because if you think that his impact, right, when he went out, did not have, you know, did not show his importance, I mean, it said it all, yeah. right? And so you have uh, Valamaki, Huso Valamaki comes in. He is a very, very good piece to everything that we're building. I mean, you have young players that are developing and they're developing together to go along with the Lawson Krauses and to go along with Christian Fisher coming up and having a, a, a fantastic year. And I can't even begin to talk about Clayton Keller. Yeah, I cannot even begin to talk about a young man who's still 24 years of age, okay, who just had a superstar season. I mean, it is an absolute, just incredible season that he had. And it goes to show you that they're buying in, they're being supported by the organization, and we know what it's going to take to win a Stanley Cup because we have somebody who helped build a Stanley Cup winner who came out and you have a coach and who is building the culture of winning and you have an owner who wants to win not just one Stanley Cup, but multiple. And that is the mandate. A sustainable, elite winner in the Valley, in the heart right there in Tempe. Staying with hockey um, for just a second, this one comes from Mike Gould. Um, he said, we heard around the trade deadline that the team was looking to avoid taking back money in a Jacob Chikrin trade, understandable with the rebuild going on and the Ted deal looming. But does Coyotes management still have the green light to take on other teams unwanted player, for example, Gossespierre, Nemeth, Lad, to gain future assets, specifically talking about active players, not LTIR and retired or um, insured contracts? No, absolutely. And we had that conversation. There, there was There were definitely deals out there where we were willing to take back it just wasn't, we weren't going to take back someone else's mistakes, right? In yeah. terms of their cap situation, right? Not, uh, this is not a reflection on the, on the players. This is cap situation that some, some teams had put themselves into. And I'm not sure why everyone didn't see that that's what we were avoiding was, was someone else's cap mistakes um, and mispricing of, of, of contracts and so for us, that wasn't the issue. The issue that the things that were coming back to us didn't make sense for us, right? And we've been very clear about that. So no, uh, we, we have no problems taking back uh, players, taking back contracts, taking back people in particular that we can put in that locker room and can continue to be people that help us, players that help us with our culture and with the uh, real, you know, strength of who we are as an organization, which yeah. is the young players continuing to be developed. Okay. Two lighthearted questions to close this out, and then we'll get to sure. a few from the chat. What has been your favorite Coyotes jersey in recent memory? Well, I mean, your, all your memory of the Coyotes is recent. Yeah. You haven't been here that long ago. <laughs> Honestly, I have been so impressed with, with the jerseys that we put together. I think the two retro reverse jerseys have been spectacular. Uh, uh, you know, the purple one I thought was, was amazing. The more sand I think was incredible. The Los Yotes ones that, that we've yeah, done have been phenomenal. Um, and then obviously the uh, the Ruigi collection 
I just think that that's the future. Right. I got to tell you, that one grew on me because initially yeah. I was like, I'm not crazy about the script. But other than that, it, it, when, I, when you ice, see it on the it ice, yes. so when, you see, it on the when ice. you see it on the ice, it looks spectacular. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I really tip my hat to Alex Morello Jr., right? Yeah. Alexander, uh, he had this vision. And uh, going back to when he had the players coming in with their little fashion walk and we took all <laughs> kinds of heat. I told you the story, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. we took all kinds of heat. And I went to the last game, uh, you know, in San Jose. And their video, their entrance video was of their fashion walk. Yeah. I'm like, okay, come on. You know? <laughs> uh, the reality is these are young men who like to express themselves. And we as an organization not only are allowing them to do that, but we're encouraging them to do that. Um, and so going back to, to the question, I mean, I, I think that the Desert Collection is probably at the top of the list only because of what it means. It means that we're fashion forward. We're taking in culture into everything that we are as an organization. And we're welcoming not just our hardcore fans, but again, the fans in waiting who may just love the way it looks on them. Yeah. And uh, I, I see the the Doan jersey. For, uh, that is the <laughs> Desert Collection jersey yeah. that we gave out, the jerseys that we gave out for the last game. Those things were just, I mean, I got asked if I would be willing to give it, give it away by some of the fans leaving. I go, no, this one I'm going to keep. So <laughs> I got this one. All right. Alexander, by the way, Crescent Moon at some point. Let's make the yes. Crescent Moon happen. Yes. A lot of people love that one. All right. This is the last one from our diehards. Then we'll get to some from the chat. And this one's fun. And you have to answer. Okay. Um, from Brandon Sparks. <laughs> if you had to spend a week in quarantine or lockdown with one Coyotes player, who would it be and why? <sighs> It'd probably be Christian Fisher. Yeah. <laughs> It probably would be only because, um, I mean, listen, every time I've talked to him, we've gotten off on tangents. Yeah, that'll happen with <laughs> yeah, him. Yeah, just, just, I mean, and you just, you just enjoy kind of talking about sometimes more than just, you know, your daily, your day job, right? Yeah. And uh, he's, he's got an interesting, you know, background, um, interesting, you know, relationships that he, that he has. And I, I've just enjoyed that. But I got to tell you. My highlight of this year, and very few people know this, um, you know, we obviously had a very lengthy road uh, road trip to begin the season. <laughs> yep. And uh, one of the things I suggested, I said, let's let's take let's take the guys out to something that we can be involved to have them know that we're going to go on the road with them. And so uh, I went to D.C. and we went to the Capitals game, which we won on the road, and then we took the team out to a Washington Commanders Minnesota Vikings football game. Uh, the president of the commanders is a good friend of mine, Jason Wright, who actually played here uh, for the Arizona Cardinals, the first uh, African-American president in, in the history of the NFL, uh, a good friend of mine. And, and we had the players, we had the coaches, we had our broadcast partners, everybody went. Um, and it was just a really great time, yeah. right? And, you know, it was a chance for them to sort of get leave their guard down. We actually were right next to the owners of the uh, Minnesota Vikings, the Wolf family. Um, and the, uh, we used to have, you know, a, a number of uh, Minnesota players, including Nick Bustad. So they were going wild <laughs> because the Vikings, <laughs> because the, 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 the Vikings ended up winning. And so to me, um, it was the very first time, again, given the fact that my first two seasons were so impacted by COVID, yeah. um, that I got yeah. a chance to really spend time with them in a in a, a an opportunity to get to to talk to them and and not have them feel like. You know, I was someone that, that they couldn't speak to or, mm -hmm. or and right. I really enjoyed that. I, I, that'll be my one of my my highlight memories of this season. That was something actually one of the players mentioned to me at wrap up day because I was asking I forget which one it was, but 
like their favorite memory from the season. And someone actually mentioned uh, going to that game. So. Yeah. Um, okay, well, we'll get to a couple from the chat. And I'm sorry if we don't get to your question in the chat because there are a lot. You're reading um, all these, by the way. Yeah, but we'll make sure. Yeah, Craig's glasses are not on. And let's start not with that. And let's by the way, I did say that I'm more than happy to stay longer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, we'll try and get to as many as possible. And let's start with the one from Tyler since you uh, brought it up when we earlier in the show. So Tyler asked, have you changed the minds of anybody who was going to vote no? And were they surprised how much misinformed they were? Yes, it's happened a number of occasions. I mean, um, I think that we were trying to keep track. I think I've, I've personally done about 60 to 70 community town halls or meetings. Um, and in many instances, I've gone in and, and you could definitely tell people were like, I don't want to give this owner a tax break. I don't want to pay for this. I don't want my property taxes to go up. And then you walk them through the deal and they're like, that's not what I've been hearing. I like this deal. And I'll give you the best example that the very first town hall meeting we had right after the um, the June, the, the RFP being approved. We had a town hall meeting in, in South Tempe hosted by Nick Bashan, the head of Tempe sure. Wins' campaign. And uh, former council member Ani Shakurjian came in and she says, I'm not really a hockey fan. I'm not really a sports fan, but I'm here open-minded, right? And she left and she said, this is, this, is, this is one of the best deals we've ever seen in the history of Tempe. And she's been there for, for I think it's 40 years. Hmm. And she says, this is exactly what this community needs. And so it wasn't so much a hard no as a, that's not what I've been hearing, but I'm open-minded. She actually was at our last press conference, standing right behind us, you know, and 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 is really now one of our most vocal supporters. So mm. it is absolutely happening, and we know that. We know that as people get informed, they realize this is a great deal. This is one of the best deals in sports, not just in Arizona but across the country. For one main reason, taxpayers don't pay for it; they're not guaranteeing a component of that. We are on the hook. People keep saying, oh, you know, if something's too good to be true, it really is. It's not too good to be true. There is a significant risk. It's just we're taking it on. We're willing to absorb it. We're willing to be on the hook. So there's a lot of risk. It is not too good to be true. It's just that we are willing to do that. And I really tip my hat to Alex Morello for making that type of commitment. Awesome. Um, all right. This next question is from Paul. Um, and his question is, what effect is the Bally Sports bankruptcy filing having on immediate cash flow? How confident are you in a future rights deal meeting or exceeding the income Bally Sports provided? Sure. It's a very good question, Paul. So I'll start with the first part of that, which is it has no immediate impact. We got paid for the entire season. Uh, so our media rights payments had already uh, been uh, collected. Uh, now we are having conversations of them going forward because clearly we are one of the three thing, the three teams that they cover here in the Valley. So it's not just us. It's the Diamondbacks and it's the Suns. The Suns contract is, uh, is up. It'll be uh, done as of the first round of the NBA playoffs. And so they are in negotiations and I know that they are very much deep in negotiations. You obviously had a new ownership uh, with the the Phoenix Suns, and we want to congratulate Matt Ishbia uh, publicly. Uh, I've done it on a couple of occasions, but we're excited for them. They've actually reached out to us um, and said that they really want to be good partners and, and good uh, neighbors 
uh, which is great. Uh, and, and truth hmm. be told, hasn't necessarily yeah, been the case. Switch. Yeah, hasn't necessarily <laughs> been the case uh, historically. And so we we applaud them. But you know, they're in the midst of their conversations. And then it's very public that uh, the Diamondbacks and Diamond Sports um, are very much locked in a legal battle. And so uh, that, those two conversations will be very uh, important in the ongoing relationship that we will have with Bally's. And, um, you know, we're in constant communication with uh, the folks at Bally's and with the other teams uh, to find out what uh, what's going to happen. But that's clearly going to be probably priority number two after this <laughs> vote uh, will be to figure out what our RSN uh, situation okay. looks like. All right. Uh, next question in the chat. POB42 said, how many new public parking spaces are with the new project? Will I be able to drive to the arena and find parking easily? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great question when it comes to parking. So let me let me point out a couple of things. Uh, the way that we have designed the district is to get people in and out as easily as possible. So there's actually going to be three entrance and exits out of priest when you're coming off of the 202 right now you can only take a left onto the on rio salado there's actually going to be three others uh to come in and out and some of those are actually going to go into parking both underground on grade and into parking garages okay. uh then we are also going to have two ingress and egresses along rio salado that don't currently exist as well and so just to give you a sense about the ingress and egress and the flow because again we own it and we need people to feel like they have had a good uh, experience of getting in and out. Now, as far as parking, uh, in total, you're going to have 10,000 um, parking stalls just within a quarter mile that we've already begun talking to people off site. I'll give you the best example. There's actually almost 2,000 stalls just at the Boyer campus that's right next to our property. When I mean next to it, it's literally abutting our property. That's a fairly empty parking garage. And so the Boyer folks have already said, uh, we'd love to have you. Carvana has built 4,000. Uh, there, there's significant uh, parking garages. And even going down to State Farm, which has another 4,000, they've already approached us as well. On site, it's going to be between 4,000 and 5,000 stalls, um, uh, which would be on par with pretty much every major sports and entertainment okay. district in the country. So we're not going to be skimping at all on that. Uh, but again, our goal is to also try to get people in and out through public transit. All right. Um, next question in the chat. This one's from Tim. Is the housing development plan to have any team-related benefits? I'd move down from Toronto in a heartbeat if my lease came with season tickets. <laughs> so it's actually not that much of a joke. No, we have been thinking about doing priority for huh. people who live there, huh. which is why I said, and I've said this publicly on a number of occasions, we could sell out all 2,000 units to Canadian Snowbirds tomorrow yeah. okay because how better of a life than you live there you walk down you go see practice you come back you shop you eat you take a nap and then you go to a game and you <laughs> rinse life, and you rinse and repeat for all winter life. long in arizona and you never have to get into a car and oh by the way then there'll be a concert and then there'll be a comedy show and there'll be other things to do in that district and within Tempe. So yes, we are looking at potential uh, packages in which you also get priority, in which you also get upgrades, in which you also get exclusive, uh, you know, sort of access and, and merchandise. So it is absolutely something that we're considering. Mm. 
Awesome. Um, I really want to ask this question from NIST in the chat. We've seen some NHL teams back away from promoting and supporting Pride Nights, such as not wearing warm-up jerseys. Do the Coyotes plan to continue to fully support and promote the LGBTQ plus community? Absolutely. It's something that we think is core to who we are. We've said this. Our three key pillars are impact, inclusion, and innovation. And on the inclusion side is not just having diverse voices of all types of backgrounds, all types of uh, sexual orientation and religions and creeds and and gender, uh, but it's also including every part of the community. The LGBTQ community is not only incredibly important to uh, our organization, but to this entire entire valley. And uh, I've been very disappointed with organizations who don't see this as just welcoming people and giving them an opportunity to feel like they are a part of who you are as an organization, irrespective of any uh, sort of dialogue on to whether or not you, um, you know, agree or disagree with someone's lifestyle, they should be welcomed. They should be a part of everything that you stand for. And so it's very disappointing to see that. Now, I do know the league and the Players Association are having conversations because I don't think anybody has benefited from sort of this back and forth. Um, And so I think they want to try to create a more constructive approach. But for us, this is core to who we are. We've applauded our players for embracing it. And we as an organization will continue. Yeah, and it should be noted on Pride Night for for the Coyotes, literally every single player wore the jersey. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Um, Well, we'll get to one or two more um, here in a second. But if you're wondering how all the questions were chosen at the start of the show, it's because our diehards um, got first dibs on asking questions in our Discord. So if you're sitting here thinking, I want to do something like that next time, become a diehard today. Um, Go phnext.com slash diehard if you're a current diehard and you're not a member of our discord um, you can click on the lounge tab on the website and join our discord there because we also have discord involvement for tomorrow's show the first annual diehards choice awards which that poll is currently up on twitter on phnx underscore coyote so make sure you vote in those polls there's about i think eight hours seven or eight hours remaining and then we'll have that show live tomorrow at 11 a.m to announce the winners of those polls so i'm really looking forward to that but just a lot of great perks to becoming a diehard 20% off merchandise 20% off events access to weekly diehard only content on the website um, just a ton of great perks so become a diehard go phnext.com grab yourself some merch from the phnext locker um, and join the family so we appreciate all of our diehards and and all of those in our youtube chats daily as well um, and we're really looking forward to next thursday because we will be out at the four peaks 8th street pub in tempe um, for the nfl draft which is the first of the drafts coming up here the cardinals currently they have the third pick we'll see if that sticks um, but we will be broadcasting live from four peaks the official phnx cardinals draft party april 27th at 2 p.m at four peaks um, join us for beer specials giveaways and the phnx cardinals live show it's going to be a ton of fun um, it's free to get your tickets just make sure you do it so you can get in the door you can register for free in the link in the show notes to take advantage of beer specials and if you're going to drink you must be 21 or older to enjoy responsibly all right we'll get to a couple more um we have a yeah we won't keep you here all yeah. day any two three more questions well let's start with the five dollar okay. super chat that we have uh, from sammy d and they said after the ted is approved and done please put an ice rink in sedona <laughs> that'd be interesting 
Well, I would love to spend more time in Sedona. <laughs> Me too. So, okay, I, mean, yeah. I think sure. that's great. But, but I mean, listen, in all seriousness, we know that this is a hockey community. I've said this a hundred times in multiple settings. We know and anything that we can do to continue to support it. We think this project is the first major, major thing that needs to get settled, the major issue. Um, and we're working hard to do it. And we're working hard um, to really make the investment that will be the the anchor uh, for the an entire foundation of everything that we want to uh, do as an organization in the Valley. Yep. Um, we have a question from Steven said, has any additional polling been done on these propositions since last fall? Absolutely. And we've done ongoing polling uh, throughout the year, throughout this entire campaign. And we remain very confident. We, re we know there's still a lot of work, in particular, with folks who are just undecided or uninformed. And we know that when they do get informed, that they see this for what it is, which is the right project the right deal and us as the right team to do it. And and not just because that's the slogan, but because it's going to bring jobs and it's going to bring revenue, revenue that the city's going to need for all of these city needs. And it's coming from a piece of property that is a landfill. Uh, don't, don't let the noise kind of uh, get in the way of that. It is a landfill, generates no revenue, no jobs, and it is a liability for the city. And most importantly, taxpayers don't pay for it. And for the first time in the history of Arizona, a sports and entertainment venue is going to be built with private dollars. Taxpayers aren't on the hook to build it, to renovate it, and to keep it going uh, or, or to guarantee it. You got one good last one? I was going to do two. One okay. quick, what I think. Um, so one, this one's from Robert, and he said, how is economic activity guaranteed? Well, you know, obviously you have us as a tenant, and so that begins that process, but we already know um, that you're going to have uh, 200,000 square feet of a build to suit for a medical office campus um, that might or might not include an urgent care facility that, that will probably include therapy. Um, and so you have an office uh, component already that we know because we already have letter of interest and we're starting to have a letter of interest actually for the second uh, a medical office campus that will be part of the second phase. So that's number one. You're going to have a lot of people actually working there. Second, you're going to have 2,000 units. You're going to have people living there. And then you're going to have 350,000 square feet that we're going to build of shops and of restaurants. So that is going to see a lot of activity. I think I need to point out right now, Tempe Town Lake is the second most visited yes, site in the, the state location of, of, yes. of, of Arizona. Yes. Two and a half million people already go to Tempe Town Lake, and you don't have these types of amenities. So on a conservative basis, we fundamentally believe it's about three million uh, people. You're going to have almost $27 billion of tourism dollars that are coming in to Tempe because of this project. It's walking distance from Arizona State University. It's five minutes from the airport. It's five miles from Motown Scottsdale. It's an incredible location. Mm -hmm. there, yeah. there is always activity in this area. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, and last question from the chat, and sorry if we did not get to yours. Um, there were amazing questions, by the way, so thank you to everybody who participated, but we'll end with this one from Tony said, when Ted is approved, notice I did not say if, um, what big hockey events are you hoping to land? Frozen Four, mm. NHL All-Star Game, World Juniors, et cetera. Yes, all of the above, <laughs> yes. 100%. No, seriously, and I'll share a little bit. We actually had a significant amount of back and forth with Commissioner Bettman and Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly. Uh, we've envisioned having what we've already dubbed the duel in the desert at Arizona State Sun Devil Stadium. 
right? The outdoor game, yes, prepping into the there. beginning. Yes. That is and the iconic thing. It would be fantastic. Yes. And so they said, you know what? Let's continue to have that conversation as you lead in to dropping the puck at the Tempe Entertainment District because we think that would be amazing. We think that Tempe absolutely, uh, I mean, imagine, you guys know what it looks like, having people come here for an outdoor hockey game at Sun Devil Stadium mm. around January, February, yeah. when this place is already teeming with people that are coming because of the weather. It's a no-brainer. And so to me, that was one that was very special. By the way, I can't believe we're not going to talk about the fact that we have got to be in Mexico next year if we're going to yes. be in Thank Australia you. this yeah. fall. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I, uh, that was yeah. the first thing Craig brought up when we heard about Australia. Trust me, it's uh, when when they reached out. This is an incredible opportunity. And by the way, I want to give a shout out to Darcy Hordichuk, who represented us incredibly well in Australia. Um, I mean, they're they're so excited for for the game down there. And we are as well. We think it's going to be an incredible experience. But the reality is we need to be going right down to uh, yep. to, to Mexico and really tapping into that uh, incredible country. And not just because I was born in Guadalajara, but because this community has already shown when the Cardinals go down there, when the Suns go down there, just how animated they become in terms of fans here and fans in waiting here. And so for us, uh, I, we made it very clear that that has to get on uh, the fast track. Should we talk me? straight right. to Steve, Steve Mayer here? Do you want to uh, just look right at the camera and say, Steve knows he's heard from me. Uh, Steve Mayer, David Proper, you know, Gary Bettman, Bill Daly. Uh, they, they know, they know my number really well. All right. <laughs> and I will say we actually did have an Australian Coyotes fan reach out to us. So there you go. They're excited. Yeah, that's going to be great. Yeah. No, but yeah. Would love to see a game in Mexico City as well. Yeah. Uh, well, Javier, we can't thank you enough for joining us. And again, to everybody for their phenomenal, phenomenal questions. Um, I think you you put a lot of minds at ease, answered a lot of great questions. So we really appreciate your time. Um, and everybody who is watching this, who is a Tempe resident, be sure to vote. Um, like we said, ballots are out. So you will re receive them soon. And just make sure you uh, use your voice in, in this election, um, whatever Whatever you Vote, decide. Yes, 301, 302, 303. Tell all of your Tempe friends, coworkers, colleagues, family members. We need everybody to come out. We need your voice. We know, again, this is the right project, the right deal. We're the right team, but we need uh, people to come out to vote. So, yes, 301, 302, and 303. Absolutely. Well, thank you again so much and everybody for chiming in live, for being here. We appreciate you. Um, be sure to hit the like button before you go. And remember that we'll be back here on the PHNX Sports YouTube channel tomorrow at 11 a.m. for our Die Hard Choice Awards. You're not going to want to miss it. PD's white suit may be making a return. Oh, That's all you need to know. Um, it's going to be a blast. So oh, we'll see everybody there tomorrow. In the meantime, you can follow us on Twitter um, at PHNX underscore Coyotes. And uh, enjoy the rest of your Wednesday, everybody. And we'll see you tomorrow.